Thanks for downloading, thanks for streaming, thanks for listening to another episode of Coming Up Next, the podcast, and hey, thanks for subscribing, and if you're not already subscribing, what are you doing? You should be subscribed to this show, which you can do on iTunes, Stitcher, or Podbean, and while you're there, why not leave a five-star rating and a review of the show? Uh, I know it seems like an oddly uh, ambiguous thing to do, but it really does help to increase the visibility, to increase the eyes and the ears that come onto the show as well as the guests that I'm able to bring to you. So if you can do that for me, I'll keep bringing you this podcast for free every week via iTunes, via Stitcher, and via Podbean. If you hit the subscribe as well, it will automatically download to your listening device, and I will be able to continue to bring you people like my guest this week, Jared Osborne. Now, if you could feel in your power, if you could feel present and grounded at will, what difference would that make to your life? When I discovered, uh, when I first discovered Qigong, um, as many listeners or many long-time listeners to this show will know, it really had a, a quite profound and uh, impactful effect on my life and on the way that I uh, related to, to people and to my, my world. Uh, and I thought it was high time that I went to the source of that big shift and that big change. Uh, so this week, I feel very, uh, very privileged and honoured uh, and grateful to share a conversation with my Qigong teacher, with Jared Osborne. Now, if this uh, does tickle your fancy in some way and you'd like to find out more, you can go to embodyingman.com, his foundational course is starting uh, tomorrow, Wednesday, the 11th of October. Still spaces available if you want to get in on that, and I would highly recommend, uh, highly recommend trying out Qigong. But that's enough from me. Why don't I hand you over to Jared to explain more about what Qigong is? What's the element of, the, of Qigong for this term? Uh, wood. Wood. Yeah. What's that? So it's like it's the, it's the energy underlying spring. So it's the movement of um, the energy from like water, which is kind of deep in the earth, to sort of pushing up and sprouting and moving. So it's from down to up, yeah. basically. Yeah, yeah. And how does that, I suppose, fit in to in in the context of all of the seasons uh, and I guess all of the uh, all the different energy sources that mm. Qigong is kind of harnessing? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's like in a sense, it's like it's I mean, it's kind of a self-generating energy source in a sense that because there's a there's a flow, there's there's a loop there. And it's like that wood is the same energy as the morning, so it's the start of things. It's that you know, it's a blossoming, blossoming, pushing up, and then and that basically then feeds into summer. So at some point, that comes up enough so that it begins to bloom, and you know, flowers and summer and everything kind of gets expansive and then that kind of reaches a point where if that's going to keep going things are going to fry <laughs> um, but in terms of the in terms of the site and that's sort of you know relating that to the day that's sort of middle of the day and then the next point is like kind of considering the stable point and then there's the which is sort of which is sort of that earth or what's called late summer and then there's the descending bit which is metal um, and then that's sort of the energy coming sort of back in and down so it's from up above to down below and yeah it's all about you know it's kind of the 
Wood's very much about sort of action and doing. That's a lot more about sort of it's like the end of the day. It's reflection. It's gaining wisdom. It's doing all of that. And then that, that then kind of it's like the rain falling down. Then pulls into water, and that's the rest. That's the nurturing. And then from that place, so you keep going with that, and you just get ice. <laughs> but because it's all part of the cycle that exists everywhere in nature within ourselves, at some point, begin to really want to kind of it begins to rise, begins to open and go up. Yeah, mm. it's really uh, very powerful stuff. Mm, yeah, um, yeah. I've spoken a lot uh, on on this podcast to people about uh, my very limited and basic kind of qigong practices <laughs> that I've had, uh, which you've taught me. Mm. I wonder if you wouldn't mind explaining, I suppose, just in sort of simplistic or basic terms, what qigong is and what purpose it may serve in one's daily life. Um. So the definition of qigong I like is consciously working with life force energy. Kind of translate to very complex Chinese concepts into into English. (laughs) Uh, But in essence, it's, yeah, like a willingness and a consciousness around cultivating our life force and energy. So it's like the practice and the art itself very much came from an idea and motivation to wanting to live a full life, full of energy, full of vitality. Um, and of course, okay, how do we do that? And how do we have not just a long life, but actually a life that's really rich and full? Um, and you know, the key insight that that was this following the energy of the seasons, really allowing us to rest when the rest cycle's there, really allowing us to take action when the energy's moving and going and yeah, nurturing and, nurturing and cultivating that. And there's so many ways that Qigong does that. It's not just a physical art. It's also a, a mindset, a character development process. Um, yeah, a body strengthening, supple making process. And it's, yeah, for me, that key point of it begins to get everything to coordinate together. Yeah, just like a day. There's a basic coordination that makes a day whole. There's years and one whole year. There's a basic coordination which makes that whole. And there's a quest within it to be the same have a whole life to be a coordinated whole of our days a coordinated whole our body our actions our mind our awareness one whole action to make any of our actions and non-actions as potent as possible mm. i'd love to um kind of go a little bit deeper and, and i guess even find out how you came to chikung but mm. it would be really uh, interesting for me to, un- to to know how you actually even arrived at a point where you were even looking for something like Qigong what what was your I suppose what was your first experience of kind of having a consciously awake moment do you remember what it was that really set you off on that trail um I guess there's two points in that one's I guess the point where I started a personal development process which wasn't where I discovered Qigong initially um and for me that was when I was 18 and it was like I was really depressed, really stuck up in my head. Um, parents had just separated, a whole bunch of stuff had happened. And I was just like, I just basically kind of like, life's got to be better than this. Mm. <laughs> um, you know, and it was like having lots of kind of really dark thoughts and just not seeing any possibility. I almost kind of had this attitude of like, okay, what if I just like, everything feels so bad. What if I just kind of die? Mm. And like, you know, it was like, that was kind of feeling like an option. I was like, okay, what if rather than do that, I just kind of wipe the slate clean and go, cool. I'm going to see what happens. There's nothing that can happen that's going to be worse than what I'm feeling Yeah. So were <laughs> at you, the moment. Were you still at high school? Yeah, I was still at high school, sort of like high school. So that began really pushing me and 
you know, I began sort of, I came across, came across Buddhism and got into psychology a bit and sort of then discovered yoga and meditation and a few things like that. And that sort of all, yeah, began to really kind of help me understand and grapple and grow. And then sort of in my, I came across Qigong was in my mid twenties. Um, and yeah, I was, it basically came from being in a really crap relationship that wasn't going anywhere and like sexually stuff just wasn't functioning partly because it was such a traumatic relationship more than anything was particularly <laughs> wrong with me but I was assuming there was something wrong with me um, I was going like what can I do about this what can I shift and I was in a bookstore and there was this book there called The Multi-Orgasmic Man by Mantak Chi and I was like wow cool so I took that down and it's a Qigong book because he's a Qigong teacher and it's, it's basically about how to yeah have a multi-orgasmic experience with lovemaking and ejaculation all sorts of things for guys and it was like it was a bit like opening up the manual to my body that I should have come out of my mum with hmm. I was like oh my god this is amazing so I got the book and studied it and did some things did a bunch of stuff from that book found the teacher from that school in Melbourne studied with him for a while and that's sort of where that whole path opened up but it just I guess it really seized my imagination kind of was having a bit of a um like role-playing Dungeons and Dragons, liking um, martial art films and all that kind of thing background. It's like it appealed to me a lot more than the yoga. Yeah. And things like that did. There was sort of a martial element to it because, yeah, it's kind of Qigong sort of strongly associated with that stream. Right. Um, like its, it's root is in, is, is in Taoism. And it's like it's, that's the underlying philosophy and approach behind Chinese medicine, Kung Fu, um, Qigong, a um, bunch of other arts that are sort of similar. And it just, yeah, it just spoke to my imagination. So you were so, a bit of a bit of a nerd growing up. Yeah, yeah, definitely a bit of a nerd growing up. <laughs> what, what was your? What were you kind of fantasizing about doing as a as a kid when you were an adult? Um, in a sense, not much. I was just really preoccupied with just having as little to do with reality as possible. Right. <laughs> I just, if I had a spare moment, I'd be reading fantasy and science fiction books and pretty much just checking out. I really didn't know what I wanted to do or where I wanted to go. I was mm. kind of a smart kid, was good at maths and science, did fairly well at that. So I did a science degree at uni, not really knowing what I wanted to do or where I wanted to go. And yeah, mm. it wasn't until sort of late, it hasn't been until like later in my life that I've really got that clear sense of what I actually wanted to do. Yeah. Mm. And it all was sort of birthed out of a terrible relationship. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so what I guess what was the path to where you are now from you know from that moment where you first discovered that book and you kind of threw yourself into Qigong yeah um, I guess a few sort of phases to that I really threw myself into that and learned a lot but it's like as a school and an approach it tends to be quite almost like quite heady it's like I was a very ungrounded person coming to the Qigong practice and I kind of actually got more ungrounded right. in the process. It was <laughs> like, I was like, like, I felt amazing experiences in my body, could really feel the chi and a lot of things moving and really awakened a lot. But over time, it was like, it was like my kind of head, <laughs> my mental energy was just kind of exploding and the teacher I was with couldn't ground me at the time um, and didn't quite seem to know what to do. And yeah, I kind of got really clear from that that I needed to do something. So that's where I found discovered Professor Wong and started studying um, Qigong, I started studying Kung Fu and Tai Chi and Judo with him and did that for seven years. So I was still keeping up Qigong practices through that and there's some Qigong practices he teaches in through that. But it's like, like, I guess part of his big thing was he really taught the underlying philosophy and approach that I live to this day. 
um, that real kind of awareness of natural cycles and processes and yeah just so much in that really made sense and through that got a lot more grounded a lot more in my body and then sort of yeah coming out of that then almost like kind of rediscovered qigong <laughs> yeah um and really sort of got back into that side of things afterwards and so studied, studied with a few other teachers began integrating all of what i'd learned in a bit of a different way and there was some you know there was some practices which i used to do that just made sense began to make sense to do, to do in a different way and began to follow some of my knowledge intuition around that and then some practices that i've learned was just like oh, these are awesome and amazing Mm. Um, and that sort of began to coalesce into kind of my own thing, I guess, in terms of what I was learning or doing. Um, but yeah, really kind of based on the principles and the philosophy and the approach that I'd really learnt. Um, what was the, or what were some of the philosophies that you were learning? Um, it's a sense of really being part of nature and seeing yourself as an inherent part of that. And this thing I was talking about with the cycles. Um, of seeing myself as yeah part of the cycles of nature of day and night and not in a sense any different we actually let energy flow and go with that there's a process that can occur within and around the body and it's there's a really big emphasis on not trying Mm. on not pushing too hard on almost like finding the right moment to act um like one thing like professor always really emphasized was the same kung fu form which is like quite vigorous and quite fast it's like most of it's soft <laughs> most of it's really sort of soft 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 and just at that point of action that's when it's bang that's when the strength comes through and that's where it comes from if you're tense tight before that then that's you won't have as much power in the end of the actions it was really emphasizing like a really powerful softness and he often talked to us about being as uh, being as strong as the ocean so the ocean is the strongest thing it's like you punch it, what happens? Nothing. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it punches you, what happens? <laughs> mm. You know, but it was that, it was like, yeah, that, it's like, yeah, some re- rearrangement around what's strong, what's weak, what's simply is. Um, and a really deep understanding of this, of this cycle of nature um, and how that works and how to harmonize more deeply with that. Um, yeah, I mean, one of the things that really inspired me about Professor Wong and really kind of got me fully onto the path was when I first went to his clinic, he was like in his mid 70s. He was the same age as my grandparents. My grandparents were falling apart. Yeah. <laughs> or oh, maybe early 70s at the time. But yeah, they were, you know, they were kind of really struggling with the health and education, et cetera. And he was still really healthy, really active. You know, you could take people out in the martial arts mat, and it was kind of like, ah. Oh, Hang on, I want to be like that. Yeah. <laughs> that's, where, that's where I want to go. What do you think, I guess, key elements or differences between his lifestyle and perhaps, you know, grandparents or, um, or people who get to that sort of age and do struggle with their health? Yeah, like a big part of it's really paying attention. So paying attention to what you eat and how that feels, um, having the ability to be able to sort of settle, settle the mind and settle the emotions and be in and be in harmony and balance within the body um you know so many people have so many imbalances happening um within themselves and they normalize it you know i was certainly like that when i first arrived there were a lot of imbalances and it was but it was it seemed it was normal in the first chinese medicine session it was just like blew my mind because it was like it's fundamentally shifted how i was feeling in my body and it was i felt healthier but really uncomfortable at the same time yeah because i 
suddenly experiencing a different way in different way in my body that wasn't normal um because we're such adaptive creatures we can get so used to um, pain discomfort things being misaligned um so yeah so a big part of that what i see as a real quest for that real alignment that real whole body awareness and health um yeah and that's kind of you know once with that view it then really changes choices around what happens and what goes on you know it's like my family was yeah you know just different things it was like there was not nobody exercised much there wasn't much sort of movement there was you know big focus on sort of yeah money or money or earning or doing things and there wasn't that real paying attention to health and it was like food was just kind of fuel it was exactly the same as what i'd been having forever rather than paying attention to okay what's going into my body how's this feeling um yeah and looking at different different seasons different effects different things that happen with the body with those environmental inputs yeah so what was the point where you decided that you were going to take your own uh, approach to to qigong and to start teaching and to create your own coaching business around that I guess my, like my interest really kind of got awakened around it. Like I actually did a yoga teacher training course at one point, sort of after martial arts. So there's a sort of yoga form that I sort of got into for a bit. Um, and yeah, just really liked the teachers, really liked what they were about, got into it and did that and then started running some classes after that when after that thing had finished. And like it was, I, could, I don't know, I've always been fairly good at facilitating groups and doing that and helping people to communicate with each other really well and yeah so it's kind of feeling natural fit to start doing that but yeah without going too much in it that began to fall into a bit of a pile of shit right <laughs> i'm doing that and it was like actually, i had this one thing where i was like okay like i'm not i'm not enjoying this i'm gonna i booked out a few things and like, i'm gonna wind this up and finish this last class that i'd sort of booked in and do that but that last class i only had guys turn up so I kind of threw the schedule out of the window and just did something yeah and it was like when the whole group was in this really deep, really profound place. I went somewhere completely different to what I was used to in more mixed groups and had one guy ring me up afterwards and go, hey, that was awesome. Do you want to do something, to, you know, do you, want to, do, you want to do, do you want to do something together specifically for men? And I was kind of like, oh, maybe I'm kind of needing a break. And he was like, look, just turn up and do the physical embodiment stuff, you know, and do that. And it was finally convinced me and I just loved it. <laughs> it was almost sort of what I'd been looking for and what I needed in terms of my own sort of journey. Yeah. Um, as a man, so that sort of started me along that path, and yeah, we'd kind of create we'd create the programs ourselves, and it wasn't like we'd following a script or somebody else's formal practice, which is, I guess, largely what I've been doing to that point. And so each workshop we did, we'd put it together, work out what we wanted to do, deliver things, and then through that, start having guys being a lot more curious about the qigong practices that I was weaving through the program, and then yeah, started doing some one-day workshops that was based on that, basically audience demand. <laughs> um, yeah, and that went really well and I really enjoyed what that was about and it was that point of going, oh, actually, there's something I've learned which is really normal for me and didn't feel particularly exceptional and realising, actually, this is really valuable, what I've learned and people are really hungry for it. Um, so that was sort of that genesis point of going, okay, there's something I've really wanted to do here. So that's where I really began sort of strengthening and developing that and that's developed into its own thing. And I mean, to a certain extent, the relationship coaching stuff came out of the same way. It's like my ability to have really good relationships had completely shifted 
from doing qigong from being more in my body from being a lot more present and then some guys were kind of like oh like they're needing help with that part of their life so the yeah opportunity mm. opened up to start doing a bit more coaching and did a little bit of that first probably a few clients in retrospect i didn't do such a great job with but i was right. learning <laughs> as can often be the case with these things yeah um yeah and i started studied some psychotherapy and started coaching through that because i got really inspired and excited by that yeah that path of, of helping people as well I and mean, all that's you know, sort of flourished into a business in the last you know sort of three or four years that's my sole income and supporting me and my family and doing all of that and at a point now where it's like okay how do i take things from supporting us to really the next level of growth and success and yeah richness in my mm. life how significant do you think it is for men to have their own space and their own uh community i guess to where they can really express themselves as men because it feels like there's a lot of spaces for women to kind of do that and that it's more mm. socially acceptable i suppose for women to be vulnerable or emotional perhaps that's shifting with where everything is at the moment but at the same time it's not really so mm. <laughs> especially in australia i think where there is the kind of she'll be right mm. sort of mentality about for men mm. so how significant was that or is that for you to kind of to be providing that and to see a shift or a, or, mm. or a space for men mm. yeah i mean for me personally experiencing those space the like initially the kind of spaces were created for men it was it was a real sense of there's like there's a sense of kind of tension or um, concern about what feedback I was getting. I was able to really quite quickly drop, yeah. <laughs> which I think is often the case for guys here. There's a level of self-consciousness that they're able to not have. Mm. Um, you know, like in you know, mixed group and there's your attention. So really easy for attention to go to the women and the beautiful forms or whatever and be, yeah, influenced by that. And it's like men and women process and think about things very differently. and very different in the space and our you know sort of hormones and smells and things affect each other in different ways and yeah there's just there's something quite different i find that happens in a group of men like i've done some been invited to do some um like um sort of dropping sessions at some women's workshops to kind of talk about men and how they process things and and how to relate relate better to men and it's it's amazing the difference in the room how fundamentally different it feels being in a room full of women as mm. opposed to a room full of men like it's, it's almost like time moves differently <laughs> even <laughs> um it's just really different yeah it's it's, it's kind of hard to describe but it's a really quite deep polar difference and that's all very different to when there's a mixed group none of it's good or bad it's just different you know what i experience in holding the space for the men and for men in the classes is that yeah, they're able to quite quickly sort of drop some of the layers and begin to explore who they... It's almost like they're able to begin exploring really being themselves without any sense of reprisal or negative feedback or whatever. There's, I think a lot of guys do have some kind of emotional fear or, um, yeah, I know something <laughs> around that in terms of how they're perceived. Absolutely. Mm. I can relate to that 100%. You know, yeah, yeah. the first time I came into a class with you, it was like, what the fuck am I doing? What am I getting myself into? <laughs> Going through the, you know, seven different stages of mm. self-loathing and mm. uh, self-consciousness and just, mm. uh, you know, definitely 
got to be a tipping point where it's just like, oh, fuck it, I'm here. Uh, you know, and, and the space just kind of opens up. Mm. Um, and I think one of the most effective things that Qigong has done for me, in term, aside from bringing me into my body, is removing sort of layers of judgment that I have mostly around myself. But mm. um, one of the most uh, interesting things, I guess, is that I didn't immediately associate Qigong with sexuality. But mm. as you said, when you first discovered the multi-orgasmic mm. man, um, you know, it is a deeply kind of sexual or um, empower, sexually empowering practice. Mm. What does that sort of side of it mean to you and how do you teach that to your students? Mm. When I first started teaching it, it was, kind of, it was a really big thing. It was like a really big focus of it. And over time, it's really shifted as my own study and um, understanding has deepened. And it's like, you know, it's, to me, it's just like, well, it's just a normal part of the body. It's like, it's, you know, in a sense, no different to your mental energy or your finger. <laughs> it's just a completely normal part of being human and it's an essential part of our energy system. Um, you know, it's particularly in terms of teaching guys, there's different things about teaching a man about his energy system than there is, a, than, than there is for a woman. Like, there's a lot of, there's a lot of correlation there. There's like, majority of Qigong practitioners and forms don't go anywhere or talk about sexual energy. Um, it's like partly because you know, Chinese culture had a major accident with Confucianism. Right. <laughs> At one point which kind of, no, you don't kind of go there, go there, go there or talk about it. Right. Um, so, you know, through various parts of that cultural process, they've been incredibly taboo. Mm. <laughs> I mean, even life-threatening to actually go there and teach oh, really? that sort of stuff. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, wow. Um, so, you know, so those kind of streams of it and that awareness of it has been sidelined, but sort of if you look at it, it's, it's all kind of there. It's like, well, the body is whole, the body is all... You know, everything is what it is. <laughs> mm. um, but there's a particular taboo, I mean, in Western mm. culture, mm. Uh, even though everything is highly sexualized, mm. but I guess that kind of takes it in the polar mm. opposite. And it uh, it's not that it celebrates its normality, but it puts it on mm. a pedestal yeah, yeah. while simultaneously creating shame around it. Yeah, there's this massive reactivity around it. Yeah. Um, which is, yeah, which is really kind of interesting. I mean, for me, it's like, like an essential part of that teaching guys about it as Amy being just totally normal. Yeah. <laughs> With not even necessarily having to say anything, but just me being comfortable in my own skin, having my sexual energy just balanced and harmonized my own body mm. begins to like subconsciously, energetically kind of normalize it because <laughs> people are seeing, experiencing something different. And then, yeah, and it's just like, it's part of it's treating like any, like any other energy and doing exercises where we sort of pull the mental energy back and emotional energy back and sexual energy back from out of the world. And being able to ground and work through and just, yeah, talking about it as a normal thing. Like there's some specific sexual energy practices we do in the form in terms of linking that up. But it's, yeah, it's the most, you know, talk a bit about application, but the main thing is actually what's happening inside your body and how that feels and where the energy is going and what guy's doing with it is far, to my mind, far more interesting and powerful than necessarily talking about the uh, external application. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like what's happening inside inside our body is the key thing. Yeah. You know, with, with anything. And how does that relate to Qigong? So a sense, Qigong being this consciously working with our life force and life force energy, it's like this, the, what we call it, the, I guess we'll call it sexual energy or our kind of life force vitality. That's at the very heart of it. So it's, it's like that's the, that's the, that's the generator if you like. 
um, so like in any system, it's like what's generating the energy is where does that, where do those connections go? Where is that power being routed through to? Um, you know, and for most people, in a sense, that power station has got a lot of bleed in it. <laughs> the whole, you know, energy transmission system is incredibly ineffective so, and incredibly inefficient. So a lot of that's actually wasted. So fundamental part of it is rewiring that up so that, that energy is not being thrown out. It's going into the body to nurture the organs, to nurture vitality, to nurture the free tissues of the body and the cells and have the body feeling a lot more alive. And in that, while there's a you know, kind of sexual energy component, it actually begins to make a less of a separation between that and the rest of the body. Mm, there's the, uh, the idea, I guess the tantric idea that mm. your, um, uh, your sexual energy is your kind of life source and your life mm. energy. Mm. Um, I guess that's kind of what you're talking about instead of, you know, as a male going around and mm. giving it out to whichever beautiful mm. woman or man mm. walks past you you're kind of bringing it in and within and mm. using it to nourish yourself. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's like, yeah, one of the differences in, in Qigong is like the statement said that um, sexual energy is how life force energy is almost swapped. Right. It's like your vitality yeah. is the source of your sexual energy. Yeah. <laughs> almost. It's like, it's like it's, we'd see the sexual energy as being a component of our life force vitality. It's not just about and for that. Um, so it's kind of horse and cart. Yeah, but it really doesn't matter. It's kind of just a way of influencing it. I mean, certainly, like my experience, a lot of the tantra stuff that, that I've done, it was a really big focus on putting the energy, putting that sexual energy through the energy system, mm. like taking out the spine and bringing it up to the third eye and awakening that and getting live in the energy system. Whereas the stuff that's really exciting about Qigong is taking that energy into the physical body. Um, and opening up the pathways within the body and the, and the meridians within the body and it's quite a yeah like deep and embodied and sophisticated opening mm. in a sense I found very different to yeah to the things that I've learned in Tantra which are really kind of focused on yeah these were the main energy pathways up the spine and a few other things yeah mm. what were some of the uh, I guess big shifts that you saw in yourself and perhaps you've seen in some of your students once they've really committed to this practice Mm. really kind of have a big shift in self-confidence um, and sense of their own like rightness and self and sense of self-worth yeah like that's probably sort of big things I notice shifting um, and yeah definitely more of an openness like it's very interesting it's quite common usually in the sort of intro term um, there'll be at least a couple of guys who are really closed and really kind of not quite sure if they're going to be here or not or if they really should be here and within a few weeks seeing them really actually open up and just connect a lot better and there's something that really drops in and there's a lot less of them being all caught up in the stuff in their head and they become a lot more congruent with their body and with who they really are it's like there's a like a natural self-confidence that arises a natural sense of valuing themselves and, and, and who they are and was that something that you had experienced when you started uh, when you when you started learning about qigong and the practices as well? Yeah, it's something that shifted when I started learning when I started learning learning the practices, but not fully. It wasn't till I guess a lot later um, when I brought a bit of a different approach to it, because in a sense, the stuff I'd learned initially was very technique focused. Yeah, it was almost like it was like qigong with 
the philosophy taken out of it. <laughs> yeah. It was very much about the techniques and the practices and blah, blah, blah. And it was like, yeah, it was, it was like it's fundamentally different to what I teach now. Even though I still teach some of those techniques, the context in which I teach them is completely different. Um, it was almost like, I mean, for me, it was almost a sense of having to do this or do that or do this practice to be able to be aligned or to do something. Or I was, was very sort of do the techniques and a lot of, yeah, spinning energy around and all sorts of things. Whereas what I teach now is a lot more like, okay, since we're doing this practice to allow your natural self to be more open and aligned, it's not a, the practice is just a pathway mm. to allowing the full amazing capacity of the human being and human body to open up. Um, and it's kind of taking that approach, almost what, what would be called more of a yin philosophy approach, almost like a softer approach to it, it's rather than it's less effort, less forcing and more allowing. It's a big part of what it's about. Yeah. Um, and with any practice, always coming back to just sitting with the body and what the practice has opened up and like allowing the consciousness to seep more deeply into the tissues, into the organs, into the whole body. How do you take these ideas and these philosophies and these practices or how does one take take them into their kind of daily life and then really start to enrich their relationships like for me like a really big part of it's being more conscious and continually being like almost like bringing more of myself here yeah <laughs> more of myself to the present moment um there's certainly a really deep level of presence that really began opening up for me as I began to really resolve and unwind some of the internal conflicts. Mm. <laughs> um, and yeah, and like in terms of that, that transformation of my relationships, connections, that's been a really fundamental part that's, that's shifted. So I'm able to be a lot more there in any interaction, which means that I'm a lot less reactive. I can see my shit yeah. <laughs> come up a lot more easily. I'm able to respond from a place of greater wisdom. It's almost like I literally have more time now between when somebody says something that might trigger me and my ability to be able to respond mm. to it. Um, yeah, it's like more space and time within me. Um, less triggers, less wounds, less things that I'm not conscious of. Um, do you think that has to do with as well kind of unshackling or un, uh, unknotting like societal conventions or judgments or predispositions about what things should or shouldn't look like or be? Mm. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Definitely. Um, I mean, certainly for me, like there's like, there's things I've learned in like studying psychotherapy and um, psychological approaches that I've like integrated into the Qigong as well and into what that is and how, and yeah, it's like a lot of it's taught as almost as physical practices, almost kind of similar to Tai Chi and yet it's a lot deeper than that. <laughs> um, but a lot of that side of it, the character development, the mindset things aren't generally taught as much or they're kind of taught a bit in the side, whereas to me they're really like integral to it. Like from you know, if that key quest is to, yeah, like consciously work with and enrich and cultivate my life force energy, it's like there's nothing mm. <laughs> about my life or nothing that I do that's not fair game in terms of in in terms of exploring that and understanding, yeah, what that is. Is that what you is that what you feel like your I guess mission in life is to really understand yourself or kind of um, be as uninhibited as you can be it's more i guess see my kind of point of my life is to have as much of him here as humanly possible 
Yeah. <laughs> like I kind of see like there's almost like two fundamental sort of spiritual orientations. One's transcendent and that's the quest to leave. Right. And that's kind of based on the philosophy. It's, it's all suffering. It's all shit. It's all, <laughs> you know, it's like we're going to go somewhere else that's better. Go to heaven, go to Nirvana, step off this, the cycle of life and death. And that's kind of the prime sort of spiritual, like spiritual being greater point of life <laughs> kind of quest. Um, or the other one is what's called imminence, which is a lot less common um, in our culture, which is the quest to go, it's actually to bring consciousness here rather than have consciousness escape the body and escape the material. It's about bringing consciousness more and more deeply here to be as fully awake and aware right here in the body as possible. And for me, that idea excites me immensely. Mm. <laughs> it's almost like how deeply and profoundly aware can I be of my body and the environment around me and everything. I mean, certainly compared to, you know, 10, 20 years ago, anything like that. It's like the level of, awareness in my body it's like it's you know i'm able to be aware of like i'm aware now of the, of the organs in my body and the energy they have and how they feel differently and if something feels out of balance i can feel it and i can feel the difference between easily between my different tissues like between bones and skin and muscle and how they feel i'm really aware of where things might be bound or stuck I become aware of that that very easily i'm very aware of my emotions and what happens and where my triggers are and where things happen in a completely different way to what i used to be it's like my level of conscious awareness within myself is like a whole few quantums <laughs> different to what it used to be and i'm immensely excited about the idea of like okay where can that be in another 10 or 20 years time i can't think yeah <laughs> almost of what that is but i'm like <laughs> awesome bring it <laughs> yeah just be aware of every fiber of every hair yeah yeah like that almost like like cellular awareness like yeah. is that where i can go where i can wear with this and what depth of like awareness and presence can I bring to a conversation? Can I bring to an interaction? Like what opens up in that space where there's like almost like even more of me fitting in this body? It's incredible. I can't quite comprehend some of those ideas uh, <laughs> in, in practical terms. Mm. Have you had, uh, have you found yourself in any like kind of, I guess, deep Hole. Holes is the wrong word because I don't mean like where there's, I don't mean with any sort of despair or anything, mm. but where you've just kind of fallen into a really kind of um, consciously aware moment or transcendental sort of uh, experience. Like over the last sort of few years, almost in a sense like less so because it's like my, the sense of like a really expanded and deep awareness in my day to day life is quite strong. Yeah. Um, Whereas like, yeah, I've certainly had a lot of very high, <laughs> um, yeah, transcendent experiences of, of, of deep connection, of, of deep opening that have come from all sorts of different things. Um, you know, I mean, yeah, I mean, one of the emphases I really like in Qigong is really emphasis on like being really deeply grounded, on really being fully connected to the earth and what's called the earth body and really having ourselves like our foundation really strong. Um, and that's like, when that happens, it's like, the consciousness of subtle energies are attracted to that and those subtle or finer parts of ourselves want to then move more deeply into the body when we've got that foundation so it's not like there's not an emphasis in, in seeking those transcendental or high experiences mm. it's more like kind of you know going come on <laughs> come down here rather than trying to leap up yeah. and kind of get them I guess it's like you were saying before you're kind of allowing as opposed mm. to pushing or yeah, yeah. or forcing. Yeah, which is certainly some experience of some of the like, spiritual practices I've done. It's very, 
like very heady, very upwards, very trying to build the energy to kind of almost explode. Yeah. <laughs> upwards or kind of hit that point. And it's, yeah, been a very different approach over a while. Yeah. I'm kind of like, yeah, that's, it's a lot more integrating. Do you, do you have any, well, you must have, what, if you don't mind sharing what your sort of daily practices mm. um, are, I guess, around all of this sort of stuff? Probably the biggest challenges to my daily practice has been having children. <laughs> <laughs> right. Working out any kind of regular schedule. Um, but yeah, there's, I mean, there's a couple of basic practices which I do pretty much every day, which is like meditating five to ten minutes. Um, it's an embodied process where I just go through, check in my body, check in with what's there, release, relax tension, dissolve it down into the earth. Um, I actually can practice where I open up the joints of the body um, through the whole thing because it's stuff can easily get blocked yeah. <laughs> there in the joints and it's called a Dalian practice which probably is things into it looks much like yoga so basically just stretching through the legs and the hips and through the body and doing that and they're kind of like my basic health maintenance <laughs> mainstay um, practices um, which don't sort of take me that long to do but you know generally in the morning in amongst kids and family <laughs> doing everything I can kind of squeeze <laughs> those in amongst it um, you know often I'll yeah sort of wake up before my children often they're in the bed or um, I'm in their bed or things like that so I'll just kind of like if I get up they'll wake up so I just sit up and meditate for 10 minutes mm. <laughs> first and do something in my practice to sort of start my day off I'm in the process at the moment of almost like shifting to evening practice right because the family's in bed that's all sorted and I'm like oh, okay I'm just gonna surrender to the idea of not having a big solid practice routine in the morning and do it more in the evening which is slightly different emphasis but um yeah, like part of what I teach and part of what we do is seasonal practices. So there's different practices we do in spring, different practices to really get in touch with and work with that uprising energy and coming into that place of action, different practices to do um, in summer to help to sort of cool and balance the body and harmonize the emotions and things like that. And yeah, each, each season, each part of, the, of that, that cycle of the day actually has its own energy and its own emphasis and it's working with that. So, yeah, like generally in terms of my chicken practice, it's, you know, yeah. The ideal is half an hour. Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, yeah, like the, 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 the minimum ideal is half an hour. I'd love an hour. If I could, if I could get an hour every day doing chicken, would be awesome. Yeah. Some, kids have introduced a challenge to that. And it's often just had to be getting something in. Whereas, you know, something is probably like, you know, minimum 15 minutes happening no matter how crazy the day is, which a lot of people it's probably a hell of a lot more than they actually do and for me that feels like just scraping it through just maintaining <laughs> some basic yeah <laughs> level of health yeah oh yeah I, I i well i can't relate but i i understand i don't have children but i um yeah i, I understand that kind of that need to just be doing something hmm. yeah uh, and i guess all of this kind of everything leading up to it has taught you that um i guess to remove any predisposed ideas about what you should or shouldn't be doing and mm. just accept and be with what is. Yeah, yeah, totally. Mm. But you can still get caught up in like my preconceived ideas about having the morning practice have been getting in the way of me developing, a, a, you know, being really solid in the evening practice for a couple of years now. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's been little bits and pieces and some mornings I would get up and get a good practice in or whatever or do things and I'd be like, okay, I need to reestablish a routine. Yeah. You know, it's caught in my own idea of a lot because I love practice in the morning I love that deep space I love setting my day up in that way but often it's like by the time I'm able to kind of get all the family stuff sorted and let's have a getting to work it's like I'm really wanting to jump into my work in my day and I don't I would be restless 
at that point mm. <laughs> you know trying to sort of just do a qigong practice and, and do that thing um so kind of go where go with where the energy is yeah um but yeah some kind of yeah, a reorientation process <laughs> <laughs> Have, uh, what what do you think um what do you think the kind of cornerstones are of a really uh powerful relationship and how do you see that shifting through having children I mean, it's like, as long as there's like a basic, in a sense, like a certain level of like synergy and connection there um, between people is like kind of the base, <laughs> the base element of any kind of deep relationship. Um, it's like a big part of what's, I guess, really shifted for me because I was shit at relationships for a really long time. It's part of the reason I've ended up being a relationship coach. It's <laughs> working out <laughs> so many ways not to have them. But yeah, one thing is, I guess, some of the main things have been really different, allow me to shift to something really different, is to have a really, it's, have a really clear vision about what I want, about what I want to create, what kind of relationship experience I want to have. And so I'm also just being like really relentless and persistent about it. And it's not, the ability to sort of not, partly not take anything that's happening in the moment too personally or too much and really looking, looking for the opportunity, looking for the growth when there's obstacles or blockages or shit happening in our relationship it's yeah really, I've really learned to see them as an opportunity for deepening to see them as an opportunity to shift to something deeper and it's like after having I guess had a lot of short term relationships with a lot of different women over a while I was kind of like oh what I haven't experienced this really deep <laughs> level of depth and I'm really curious about that and want to experience that and I'm really committed to making that happen um you know, it's like having kids and stepping into that. I've got a really clear and really strong idea of what I want the family to be, what I want our culture to be, what, our, what, I, want our, what I want our values to be. And that's always changing and adapting and morphing. But it's, yeah, a real continued willingness to look at myself and what I'm doing and what I'm bringing and what I need to challenge in my partner and what I need to challenge in how we're doing things. And, yeah, because I've got, got this, yeah, sense of, creating something <laughs> are really valuable really deep and really like just intimate and amazing mm. between myself and myself and my partner and i'm kind of yeah it's like really enjoying that process not like if you know it was absolute no one become a stalker or something i don't mean <laughs> that level of kind of commitment but yeah really deep commitment to the process and to, and, and to holding and working with what's there and doing some sense of like wanting to leave no stone unturned in terms of making it work, being willing to look at, do, and move through anything to make something really flourish and really function. Um, yeah, I mean, to me, it's not dissimilar to, to building a business and doing that. It's like, you know, so many people are kind of, you know, doing their own thing, whether they're in a business or entrepreneur, or probably had a few failed projects, a few bankruptcies. You know, past relationships are all like that. You learn things. <laughs> you go, okay, well, that really, that's, I've learned how not to do that now. Yeah. Um, but yeah, those projects, I mean, it takes an immense level of persistence and um, ability to really be discerning around how we're creating value, what value we're asking for. Um, yes, yeah, sort of like um, sense, of, sense of, of worth and skill in the world to actually make a business or a livelihood successful from our own. That. and there's, there's a lot of really compatible skills in there it's like the guys I enjoy most working with in the relationship coaching are entrepreneurs are business owners are you know people have that sort of mindset or you know senior executives and people who've got that yeah sort of opportunity seeing 
willing to, willing to take risk, deep commitment to <laughs> getting an outcome that they can see. There's something quite different in people who I guess have, have that mindset. Mm. And it's like, yeah, it's just one thing that's just made a massive difference to my ability to really make a relationship work. Yeah, I think one of the sort of things that jumps out of what you said there is being willing to take a risk. I remember reading a blog post that you wrote mm. about being being so honest in your relationship that you're willing to risk the relationship um, because you, you, you're compelled to have a, a 100% honest uh, connection or mm. synergy, like you say, with, yeah. with the other person. Yeah. And, um, yeah, it was quite a, was quite a sort of profound idea. Um, yeah, yeah. 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 It's like, I mean, it's that thing with anything. It's like everything's changing. Everything's always moving. And if we stay too long in the one spot and don't adapt, don't grow, then it becomes stagnant and becomes unsatisfying. And a relationship, it's, you know, these things run. There's things that we're unhappy with that aren't really working in the relationship or unsatisfying. It's easy to kind of go, okay, well, move on. Don't worry about it. I don't know. It feels too turbulent or create too much stress to kind of address them, and that's the shit that kills. Yeah, a relationship, even minor dissatisfactions, a few of those can just build up over time and kill a relationship. Mm. Rather than having a sense of okay, I'm, I don't know what response I'm going to get. This could be not good, <laughs> but I'm going to risk it and see what happens. You know, if this relationship doesn't survive it, it wasn't actually going to survive not addressing it. Mm. <laughs> anyway, yeah. Mm. And I think that's also pertinent, not only with external relationships, but also, I guess, to kind of bring things full circle in internal relationships and being really just honest with yourself about what you want and where you are and, and what your kind of uh, mission or vision for mm. yourself is. I'm willing to, yeah, willing to reassess things and reassess, maybe reassess, like, established truths and... Yeah, whether it's like it's been, you know, things I've changed like really fundamentally on in terms of like diet and health and um, yeah, there's a lot of that, lot that's shifted from in terms of being really honest and truthful. And okay, this something that was working me for a long time isn't working for me right now. So how do I? What do I need to do now? <laughs> Where do I need to go? What do I need to adapt? You know, it's one like yeah, saying like really sort of like which is that um like all change starts with the truth. Just like that. It's, I mean, sense all growth almost starts with the truth. So like when I'm able to be really honest about what an actual, what something actually is, what's actually happening, then our choices, our ability to create something from that is so much more. As soon as we're not in, as soon as we're not in integrity with that, our whole, <laughs> <laughs> the actions that are possible are completely different. Well, that feels like a really great place to uh, kind of wrap it up. I really, uh, really appreciate and I'm grateful for, uh, for your time and your insights. I finish all of my conversations with the same question. The question is, what makes you silly? What makes me silly? Um, oh, my daughters, <laughs> without a doubt. <laughs> you know, playing cat bus with them and... Um, it's cat bus. <laughs> cat bus is a game and my daughter sits on my shoulders and it's, and it's like, yeah, I'm... It's, there's, there's a movie, um, uh, My Friend Totoro, a Studio Ghibli movie, with, and there's a cat bus in this movie, and it's one of the ones that she watches and really likes, and it's <laughs> like, I'm, 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 I'm a cat bus, and he jumps on my shoulders, and we kind of fly around and go, and we go and visit the zoo. And then I play all the different, and she sits in the chair, and I play all the different animals, like the snakes and bears and tigers <laughs> and things, sort of playing with and interacting with her and doing all of that, and then the cat bus takes her back home again afterwards. Oh, wow. <laughs> 
It's my daughter's definitely. Yeah, uh, having children made you fundamentally more silly. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> sort of a necessary right. step to take. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Cool. Thank you so much, Jared. Pleasure.